Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. There has to be discipline, especially when it comes to lying. And I'll explain why I say that. Keep in mind, the devil is the father of lies. When he speaks, that's his native language. He's the father of lies. I've heard it said like this, that we are never more like the devil than when we lie. Lying is very serious. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Proverbs. Chances are that you're familiar with the term little white lie. This term is to suggest that small lies aren't really that big of a deal. However, the Bible has something very different to say about all lies. In today's message, Pastor J.D. will teach you the importance of telling the truth, no matter the repercussions. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Proverbs chapter 19 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Proverbs chapter 19, as you know, (laughs) we're going to try, we've been trying every week to see if we can get through two chapters, and we have failed miserably the last three weeks. Some of you are saying, what's this we stuff? You, (laughs) don't put that on us. Well, it's like Tom said to me, uh, we're not in, in a hurry. It's the quality, not the quantity. And this is such a powerful and amazing book of wisdom. We don't want to rush through it and miss anything that the Lord has for us. So we'll see how far we get, but we'll pick it up in chapter 19. We got through chapter 18 last week. All right, let's jump in. Verse 1. Better is the poor who walks in his integrity than one who is perverse in his lips, and is a fool. So right out of the chute, this is a very interesting proverb, and I want to draw your attention to this word integrity. Now we're probably prone to understand this word as being synonymous with honesty, nothing wrong with that, but there's actually a a deeper meaning to the word integrity. And I want to use it in the context of how it is used when someone will say something to the effect of, this has structural integrity. In other words, it won't bend, it won't cave, it won't falter, it won't break, because it has integrity. And this is what the proverb is saying, that it is better to be honest, walk in integrity, and be poor, as opposed to one who does cave in to the temptation to be dishonest, to not walk in integrity, and when they think that it can be to their advantage, maybe something they do, something they say, It's better to maintain your integrity, even if it means that you don't get ahead and you remain 
in poverty. Better to have integrity. Verse 2, also, it is not good for a soul to be without knowledge. And, this is interesting, (laughs) he sins who hastens with his feet. In other words, you rush into things, pretty good chance you're going to regret it. I have never regretted waiting. I have always regretted my haste in making a decision, rushing into things without really taking the time. And oh, the regret that will always ensue when we rush into things and don't wait. Verse 3, the foolishness of a man twists his way, and his heart frets against the Lord. In other words, there's this man who totally messes up his life. I mean, he just makes a complete mess of everything. Everything is just messed up. Who's he going to blame? The Lord. Oh, he's certainly not going to take the blame himself. He's not going to take responsibility for what he's done, the consequences of his own actions. And that man is a fool. Verse 4, wealth makes many friends, but (laughs) the poor, forgive me for laughing, but this is so true, isn't it? But the poor is separated from his friend. And we're going to see this again come up in a couple of verses, and we'll expound maybe more on it. But isn't this just so true? In fact, especially for somebody who's single, and they have wealth. I mean, surely you're not going to know if those who want to be your friends want to be your friends for the right reason. And that's the problem that comes packaged with being wealthy. And here's the, again we'll talk more about this, but here's somebody who's poor, and I mean who wants to be friends with somebody that can't do anything for you, can't give anything to you. By the way, that's the measure of a character, isn't it? When you're friends with somebody, knowing full well, that you're not going to get anything out of it. I mean, isn't it true that we are prone to become friends with, want to be friends with those that could actually further our careers, those that could actually advance us and be an advantage or a benefit to us? Verse 5, this is an interesting proverb, a false witness will not go unpunished, and he who speaks lies will not escape. They might think they're going to get away with it. They won't. In the end, ultimately, their sin will find them out. Be assured of it. I was reading a a commentary on this verse, and interesting insight, because the suggestion was that we should not let a false witness go unpunished. We should not let them get away with it. We should not let them 
escape. And certainly this could have application in the context of parenting. There has to be discipline, especially when it comes to lying. And I'll explain why I say that. Keep in mind, the devil is the father of lies. When he speaks, that's his native language. He's the father of lies. I've heard it said like this, that we are never more like the devil than when we lie. Lying is very serious, and it must be taken very seriously. I knew a guy on the mainland many, many years ago that, oh my goodness, if somebody lied, you would think that they had just committed the unforgivable sin. I mean, he would take them to task, and really, in all fairness, rightfully so, because it was a nipping it in the bud. It was dealing with it so as to not let them get away with it. Verse 6, here it is again. Many entreat the favor of the nobility, and every man is a friend to one who gives gifts. That's the person we want to we wanna be with, right? That's the person we want to be friends with. You know what's interesting? In the Gospels, what I find the Savior doing is He's actually a friend to those who can do nothing in return. He was attracted to the poor, the blind, the lame, the cripple. Verse 7 <laughs> kind of takes it even further. All the brothers of the poor hate him. How much more do his friends go far from him? He may pursue them with words, yet they abandon him. You know, I was thinking about this as a pastor. I have to be really careful when it comes to this. So somebody walks, and James talks about this, somebody walks into the church and they appear, outwardly at least, to have means, have the world's wealth. And you know, of course, as a pastor, it's kind of like, hey, welcome to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. Can I get you anything? I mean, I, I, I want to be friendly with them, welcoming to them. Why? Because, look. I mean, and in, then in walks somebody who looks like they may be homeless. That's the true test. How am I going to respond to them? Am I going to be friendly with them? Yeah, I, I know I've shared this. I, I, I just want to share it again. I hope you don't mind. True story, happened many years ago. And this young man walks into a Cadillac dealership. And he's wearing jeans and a t-shirt and kind of ripped and doesn't look like he could afford to buy the uh, brochure for the car, let alone the car. And nobody gives him the time of day. Nobody welcomes him. What's he here for, a job application? And they wouldn't even give him the time of day. Finally, this young salesman just asks him, is there something I can do to help you? And the kid says, well, as a matter of fact, there is. And so he reaches in his pocket and he pulls out this list. He says, you know, my dad sent me in to order these custom stretch limousine 
Cadillacs. And can you help me with that? Oh, yeah. Yes, I absolutely can. By the way, we get paid on straight commission here. And all these other salesmen are looking at this young guy that all he did was, how can I help you? This is what we're told in Scripture, that man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. You know, when I was with Mercedes-Benz for a number of years, again on the mainland, I was very careful when it came to this, because usually it was the guy that came in dressed to the nines. I mean, he looked like, you know, wow, this guy, he can buy something. Turns out he was a dreamer. You know, he was a complete, you know, fake. He was, how do they say it, fake it till you make it. (laughs) And sometimes they would just come in, get the brochure, put it on the refrigerator, and just dream about being able to buy that car. It was the guy who would walk in, if it was in the summer, with shorts, and slippers, and a t-shirt, unassuming. You know, we're judging by the outward appearance. Oh man, who, who's this guy? Is he looking for a job? No, he's looking for a car. And oh, by the way, he'll pay cash. You got to be really careful when it comes to this. I think we make these judgments outwardly when we assess people. We, you know, we size them up. We look at them outwardly and we say, man, look at that guy. <laughs> I just thought of this funny. Had somebody come and visit, again this was on the mainland, visit the church, and they had never been to the church. They didn't know who the pastor of the church was. And so they're sitting there, and I get up, and they shared this with me afterwards, if if you can imagine. So they're sitting there going, oh, who's this guy? Oh, oh, good. He's just doing the announcements. For a minute there I was thinking he was the pastor. And then he's, after the sermon, sharing this with me, he said, and then you started preaching. I thought, he is the pastor. He doesn't look like a pastor. Oh, I didn't know that pastors were supposed to look a certain way. What, you you don't like my face? I was born with this face. Why are you looking at the outward appearance? God looks at the heart. Anyway, imagine my shock. I was shocked that he actually stayed for the entire sermon. Oh well. Verse 8, He who gets wisdom loves his own soul. He who keeps understanding will find good. Notice the delineation here between getting and keeping. Just because you get something doesn't mean you're going to keep it. And by the way, if you get wisdom, you're doing so because you love yourself, your own soul. We talk a lot about, you know, I just need to love myself more. No, you don't. You know, we're told to love others as, love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And then there are those who say, well, the problem is, is I can't love my neighbor as I love myself because I don't love myself. Yes, you do. You absolutely love yourself. That's not the problem. That's never the problem. The problem is loving your neighbor as you already love yourself. And so here the proverb is saying that if you really love your own soul, you want to benefit yourself, get wisdom. And then once you get it, hold on to it. Keep it. Keep understanding. And if you do, you will find good. Verse 9, here we go again. And notice the repetitiveness, the reoccurring themes 
Here in verse 9, a false witness will not go unpunished, and he who speaks lies shall perish. I mean, that's just the bottom line. No matter what, in the end, they will not go unpunished. Verse 10, luxury is not fitting for a fool, much less for a servant to rule over princes. Here you have this fool (laughs) sitting in the lap of luxury, as we might say, doesn't fit, doesn't work. Something's wrong with this picture. You won't see that, a fool sitting in luxury, nor will you see a servant ruling over princes. Verse 11, the discretion of a man makes him slow to anger, and his glory is to overlook a transgression. Think of it this way. You have a choice. Somebody says something. Somebody does something. And the flesh is right there, isn't it? Ready to react. In a, How dare you say that to me? Do you know who I am? <laughs> That's just pure pride, nothing but. But it's one who has discretion, one who is slow to anger. You know what? It brings God glory to overlook it. Some translations render this to pass over it. Think about what's been overlooked in our lives. I mean, the, when the shoe's on the other foot, as we say, it is a glory, His glory, to overlook a transgression. Verse 12, the king's wrath is like the roaring of a lion, but his favor is like dew on the grass, grass refreshing the king's wrath, his countenance. Verse 13, a foolish son is the ruin of his father and the contentions of a wife are continual dripping. I I was not wanting to laugh, but my wife's not here, so I can actually talk about this a little bit. A contentious woman is like a continual dripping. I, I feel sorry for this husband, for this father, a foolish son, a contentious wife. Who could stand that? We've read and we'll see again in the book of Proverbs how it is that it's better to eat a crust of bread on the roof of your house than it is to eat this steak dinner prime rib in the house where there's contention, where there's strife, where there's nagging. Verse 14, houses and riches are an inheritance from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. In other words, a father can leave his house, his property, his riches, his wealth as an inheritance, but there's one thing he can't do. He can't leave a wife for his son. A prudent wife is from the Lord. The writer of Hebrews says, the one who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtaineth favor from the Lord. I have that memorized because my wife made me memorize that verse. (laughs) Verse 15, laziness casts one into a deep sleep, and an idle person will suffer hunger. You know, 
it's interesting. The, the lazier you are, the lazier you will be. Let me say the same thing in a, in a different way. You know, when you're uh, uh, sedentary, lazy, then your whole body just kind of, and, and the more you sleep, the more you sleep. The more you sleep, the more you sleep. Sleep begets sleep. And the proverb here, the warning here is that that person will be in want, will suffer hunger. This is going to come up again. Verse 16, he who keeps the commandment keeps his soul, but he who is careless of his ways will die. I mean, this is a life and death matter here. Obedience, obeying the commandments of God. You know what's harder than living an obedient life? living a disobedient life. The Bible says the path of the sinner is hard. I mean, we, we have this picture in our mind, and of course the enemy uh, doesn't help when he paints this picture of disobedience as sin, and, and sin as being this pleasurable thing. And certainly sin is pleasurable for a season. That's going to come up again here in a little bit but we don't realize the aftermath of it. I mean, to take care concerning the commandments of the Lord can be a life and death matter. Verse 17, this is interesting too. He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he will pay back what he has given. Listen, if you're looking for a, a good investment opportunity, right here. Because when you lend, help the poor who we will always have with us, by the way, the Lord takes note of that. The Lord notices that, and that blesses the heart of God. And God will repay you many times over when you help the poor. Verse 18, chasten your son while there is hope. This was one that we always talked about with our boys when they were young. <laughs> Chasten your son while there is hope, and do not set your heart on his destruction. In other words, if you refuse to discipline your children, in effect you are party now to the destruction that will come because you refuse to chasten them and discipline them. Keep in mind that the word discipline comes from the word disciple, to train, is to train them, to disciple them, to discipline them, to provide for them direction, instruction. Proverbs is a book of action. The sage life applications written in its pages not only give you something to think about, but they inspire you to act upon what you've read. As you continue to study this book with Pastor J.D., approach each nugget of wisdom prayerfully, asking God to show you how you can incorporate it into your own life. He can and does teach you through His Word. We'd be honored to be praying for you during this study. Would you let us know how we could be doing that for you? You can connect with us by visiting our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com, and clicking on Contact under the About tab. We'll get in touch with you as soon as we can. You'll also find us on Facebook and Twitter. and You're welcome to interact with us there. Pastor J.D.'s teachings are also available on YouTube. 
Links to all of these are available at our website. Are you part of a church? We want to encourage you to find and begin regularly attending a church in your area if you haven't already. If you're near Kaneohe, come visit us. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe, on our website. Again, that's inspiritandtruthradio.com. That website also houses all of Pastor J.D.'s teachings, including his weekly prophecy updates and the ABCs of salvation. This is a simple guide to sharing the good news of salvation in Jesus. It can help you start a conversation with someone you love. That's all we have time for today. Thanks for joining us for this in-depth study of Proverbs, right here on In Spirit and Truth.